This is the Mason Vera Pain Show, your go-to lifestyle program, covering everything from technology and gaming to movies, TV shows, and pop culture to the supernatural and beyond. Brought to you from Chicago, USA, with your host, the unabridged millennial, Mason Vera Payne. I've spoken with a lot of DJs, and this pandemic has changed a lot of plans in some good and bad ways. Kyle is one of these artists that has been affected. Now, the pandemic has actually allowed him to take a step back and alter his brand. Formerly known as a Nookshook and now known as Outwild, joins me to explain how he changed his brand and discusses his latest projects. Thanks for joining me, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How'd you become a DJ? So I've been writing music for a really long time. I'm like, I don't know, coming up to 30 now, but uh, kind of back early high school and middle school type thing. Um, I started out playing guitar, drums, and all that. I was in a few bands uh, throughout my grade school days. And then uh, when I got to university, it was a lot more difficult to coordinate with other people and have access to gear and jam spaces and stuff to really get a project moving. And then using people like Skrillex at the time for coming for coming from a hardcore rock kind of background and moving into the electronic world, I figured, you know, if that's something that he was able to do, then maybe I should try and do the same thing so that, that way... I really only have to worry about myself, my own work ethic, and all that kind of stuff. And so around like 2012, I started going by the name Anookshook back then. And I didn't really know a ton about electronic music because I never listened to it growing up. I was always into, yeah, rock music, whether it was classic rock or metal, any of that kind of thing. And then it kind of just snowballed into what it is today. I started grabbing inspiration from other electronic acts that were sort of similar to what it was that I was trying to do. But over the course of those eight years, it's been quite the journey in terms of sound development and building a band. So going back to you playing guitar and drums, um, does that mean you can read music? I can, yes. I played piano up until grade six, I believe, the Royal Conservatory of Music. So that's kind of how I started, and I always wanted to play other instruments because at the time I thought the piano was lame and I wanted to do something cooler, like all the people that I listened to, you know, on my CD collection and all that kind of stuff. So after I reached grade six, then I stopped doing the piano thing and moved over to guitar, and I did a bunch of self-taught stuff, kind of, you know, using uh, resources like Ultimate Guitar and all that kind of stuff, reading guitar tabs and trying to play along with my favorite songs. And then in high school, a lot of people played the same instrument. Everyone kind of wanted to learn how to play guitar. And so I was like, well, if I want these opportunities, then I'm going to have to expand my repertoire of skills a little bit. So I had a cousin who was a drummer in a rock band that needed a place to just kind of stash his kit for the summer. So I started playing around on that. And that's kind of how uh, the drumming thing came to be. I bought a beginner kit afterwards and had a few opportunities in different bands and stuff. And then, yeah, bass guitar as well, played the trumpet for a little bit. It's been all over the place. Wow. You know, when it comes to, like, rock bands and alternative, I know one of the hardest things is to find a drummer. I'm kind of shocked that <laughs> you, you didn't, like, really excel at that. I would think, like, they'd pick you up. Like, boom, you could really blow up on that. It just didn't pan out. Like, yeah, like like you would think so. I think that everyone kind of had the whole band thing fell differently on everyone's list of priorities. So as a drummer just in a small town in southwestern Ontario, there just the opportunity just wasn't there. The opportunity to kind of go places and become known as a drummer just wasn't something that existed. And then also, like, I think the Canadian cities are a little bit different than down in the States just because your opportunities to play in front of an audience and get known and get traction is a lot more, they're just not, not, not quite as much opportunity there. 
Now, how smooth was that transition going to play like all these instruments to DJing? I mean, I imagine it was kind of easy because you having that background, it would allow you to make those beats more smoothly. Yeah, and that was something in working with other DJs, too, that didn't have a musical background that wanted to get into music production. You could really kind of see the divide there. And I felt very, very fortunate for having all these years of experience building up to something that as a kid, I didn't even really know would exist as a career opportunity. So it really saved me a lot of time there, but still learning new programs and learning also just how dance music is formulated was a little bit of a learning curve for me. I I knew nothing about electronic dance music, EDM, whatever you want to call it, kind of going into it and had to catch up with a lot of these other DJs that have been listening to, you know, trance and house music for years. You've only been doing this for how long again? Just a few years now? It's been eight years now, since 2012. Oh, man, that's way more than a few years. I mean, why the name change if you've been established as a Nookshook? I mean, why change the name now? So that was a a big decision that I made over the past, uh, like I've been wanting to do it for a few years now, mainly just because when I first chose the name Anukshuk, it was entirely for it being, in my mind, a symbol that represented Canada, the country that I'm from, because I, I decided to start using the name shortly after the 2010 uh, Vancouver Olympics, and their logo and trademark and all that stuff was a symbol of the Anukshuk, so I kind of viewed that and was like, oh, this really represents to the rest of the world the country that I'm from. That would be a really cool alias to go by. Let's start building a brand off of that. And so I I did that for a few years. And then kind of around like 2015, 2016, I became a little bit less comfortable with it because I didn't, I, I guess in the beginning, didn't really see the cultural divide between the indigenous roots of the country versus the colonial roots. And because of my heritage and background, I, I am definitely probably closer to the colonial side of things in terms of my bloodline. So I had to kind of just re-evaluate there and really kind of think about what it was that I was representing. At the time, friends, colleagues, and people that I worked with and all of that definitely said, you know, like, you're, you're not really doing anything to offend anybody. You're not trying to inappropriately use this brand. You're making positive music that makes everybody happy, so what should be the issue? And it wasn't until kind of more recently that I decided to take the time to educate myself on the rather darker history of Canada's colonialization. And it just became very apparent after that, that it wasn't something that I felt comfortable representing anymore. So how much music did you make under your old name? And would you use it in any of your future sets? I didn't want to completely abandon what I had built so far. In creating this new name, I wanted it to be just kind of like this is the new name moving forward. It doesn't mean that we're completely getting rid of everything that I've done in the past because I am so very proud of that work. And over the past couple months, we've been in the process of switching that entire catalog over through distributors and whatnot to the new name. And even though it's been eight years since I've been trying to do this, the first probably five or six of those was a lot of me just learning how to produce electronic music. So in terms of having a catalog of things that I'm very, very proud of, and I think represent me as a musician now, there's not a ton of that. There's maybe two or three or four songs over the past four years alone that I'm still proud to put my name on. And that being said as well, since the start of 2020, my release catalog has basically doubled. And we've been doing a lot of stuff over the course of the year. And even though at Wild is just happening now, we've had no problem really kind of rebranding all of the old songs under the new name. Oh, cool. 
So, you know, I imagine you being, you know, so musically inclined that you're also a producer. I would hope you're a producer, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so who have you collaborated with, if you have yet? Yeah, so I, I've collaborated in the past with one of my favorite kind of like electronic emo bands from back in the day uh, called Breathe Carolina. Uh, we had a track on Spinning Records called Nights that was released. That was a while ago, I think 2015 with that one. And I've also done collaborations with Stabin, who's a fellow Canadian producer who's done a lot of work over on the record label Seeking Blue. And I was part of his last album, Wild Youth, which came out, uh, I think, a year and a half ago, almost two years now. So what was the most rewarding thing about collaborating? I mean, I imagine your roots has been kind of banned, a group. So I would think that you would like it more. <laughs> Yeah, like it's been a different experience than I think I ever expected. You know, like you think a lot about collaboration. It's a bunch of people kind of huddled over one computer in the studio and being able to feed off each other's energy and ideas and all of that. Whereas just because of how how far technology has come, that's not really necessary or as feasible anymore. Since we all have our own kind of production studios on our computers, a lot of what happens is one person will start an idea send it over to somebody else, they'll work on it a little bit, kind of get sent back and forth until you uh, find a middle ground in the finished product. So I, I would love to have the opportunity to collaborate in the studio with different artists. I haven't quite had that yet. A lot of the stuff has been online and isolated, which, you know, given the current COVID climate, it hasn't been too bad continuing to collaborate with people because it's just what we've been doing this whole time. But I think that if I had access to or lived in a little bit more of a music-centric city like Los Angeles or something like that, it would be a little bit easier to have those kinds of studio sessions. Toronto's a great city for music, but in terms of acts coming through or residing here, there's not as many as you might think. So tell me about your latest EP release, Everbright. What's one of the songs you like the most off of it? The Everbright EP was originally released under the Anuksha name on Ophelia Records back in June, and we thought that kind of re-releasing it as a deluxe edition under the new name, Outwild, including a few remixes from fellow producers on there would be a great way to kind of kickstart this brand with the idea that this is still the same music, the same sound, the same general idea. Out of that, my favorite song would be the title track, Everbright. All of the songs on the EP were written over the course of about two years. A lot of them were pieced together in short bursts of production because um, I'm sure, like many other musicians out there, we also are trying to work a side hustle just to keep a roof over our heads. So in terms of being able to have the time to properly fully inject my passion into these songs, it was spread out over the course of several months into years. Um, and I think that Everbright was the most interesting because everything started with that. That was the first song that I started working on. The intro, May You Always Be, leading into the title track, Everbright. That was written when the whole idea for this EP first started a couple of years ago. And in terms of being able to work on it, I've uh, been doing bits and pieces here and there leading up to its final release. And I think that each of the different sections kind of represents where my head was at with the writing process. I mentioned in previous uh, statements on social media and stuff like that, the EP really speaks to the constant uh, struggle that some of us have with positive mental health. And I've struggled quite a bit with that over the past couple of years. And it's interesting for me to listen back to songs like Everbright because I can hear that exact moment and where I was at when when that part of the song was written. So Everbright starts out really happy and positive, and then it kind of goes into this more melancholy break in the middle and then finishes with this big kind of epic reprisal at the end. And I think that really kind of speaks to where I was at mentally over the course of the couple of years of writing it.
So did you provide any vocals for this track? I did not. Uh, one thing that I've always liked to do, and kind of speaking to the name of Nookshuk before, was be able to provide some kind of communication. Uh, sorry, for those who don't know, what a Nookshuk is, it's from Inuit roots, and it is a structure made to resemble some kind of human being. And the whole point is that they are able to communicate, whether it's safe passageways or some kind of resource cache or something like that, to fellow travelers without actually having to say any words. And so with the original Anukshuk idea, it was to create these songs, whether being instrumentals or using chopped little bits, vocal snippets and stuff, to communicate a positive message. So Everbite is a full example of one of those songs. There's no actual lyrics to any of it, but it is a combination of a lot of different chops of uh, vocal stems. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. And for those listening, where can they find more information about you? Yeah, for sure. So we just finished transferring over all of our social media accounts. So you can find me at soundcloud.com slash it's wild, it's at wild, facebook.com slash it's at wild, twitter.com slash it's at wild, and instagram.com slash it's at wild. You can also find me on Spotify, and I run a weekly updated playlist called Natural Wonders, which is updated every Friday. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne, that's all one word, and don't forget to share the show with your friends.